Just gonna run this dog to see if we can find any type of uh, human remains that are left. Listen to Where Secrets Go to Die, The Disappearance of Derek Hennigan. From the Detroit Free Press, a new podcast set in the woods of Michigan's Upper Peninsula. Available on Apple, Spotify, Freep.com, or wherever you get your podcasts. Good morning, everyone. Doug Farrar here, editor of the Touchdown Wire site on the USA Today Sports Media Group Conglomerate Network uh, series of sites. Along, as always, with our five-tool guy, Mark Schofield. Mark, we took a bit of a break from the pod last season. We're back now. Uh, we were writing, like, so much and didn't have time to do pods, and you have 7,468 other podcasts you do anyway. Um, but, yeah, we're... Preseason starts. We're doing this Wednesday morning. Preseason starts tomorrow. Woohoo! And uh, little Giants Joe Judge reunion. <laughs> Expectations, Doug. Expectations are not high in New England right now. And I will just say that. Like, well, we're going to get to that. We're going to get to that because you and I see this very differently. And yeah, that makes for it, good podcasting. And it does make for good po- podcasting. I will just say that. There are a lot of Patriots fans on sort of shaky ground right now. And basically what we see Thursday night might decide whether they fully panic or they ran it in just a little bit. Well, uh, I put up an article yesterday, uh, Dante Scarnecchia, the legendary offensive line. Right. Before we get, before we get into power rankings, I, let's hell with it. It's our podcast. Let's do the Patriots now. Uh, so Dante Scarnecchia call, talked to, uh, Karen, uh, I'm going to, I'm sorry, Karen. Gagujan, I believe. Thank you. Uh, yeah. from the Boston Herald and said, you know, we ran outside zone. We ran, you know, tight. We ran wide. It wasn't just all gap. And Dante is like, he should be in the Hall of Fame along with Alex Gibbs and Absolutely. other guys. Um, Bill Callahan, maybe. And he said, you know, we ran this stuff. What we didn't do is run boot. And we all know why that is because it was Tom Brady for 20 years. And uh, I remember I was watching tape with Gronk last year. And I, I managed to find like the two times Brady ran boot in the red zone, throwing touchdown passes and Gronk left. Like, yeah, you probably had to look for a long time, didn't you? Yep. And Mac Jones never ran a non-pressured out of the pocket throw. He never went out of the pocket unpressured to make a throw at Alabama. In other words, that was not part of the structure. He went out of the pocket for sports info solutions 21 times last season with the Patriots. I think eight were non-pressured. This is not a Mac Jones thing. We talked all, you know, before, after Mac Jones was drafted, before Mac Jones was drafted, he's not a second reaction guy. You actually think that this could help Mac Jones, even though he's not really a boot guy. Yeah, it's not so much... It's interesting. Like I went back and there were 43 throws, I think, at Alabama released outside the pocket, either to the left or the right. And I think there were three that I found that were actually some kind of designed movement. They weren't really booed. Like you had a touchdown against Notre Dame early in that semifinal. There was a sprint concept. You know, red zone, sprint concept, he hits Devonta Smith, a well-placed throw on an out route for a touchdown. Then when you get to New England, you know, again, it's a handful of stuff that he's done outside, and it's even a smaller handful where it's designed pocket movement. 
he's handled those extremely admittedly small sample size types of plays pretty well because he's a very clean thrower mechanically. What I think it's important to sort of remember, and there's like 17 moving parts here. The quarterbacks that have achieved some level of success in these kinds of offenses, the sort of Shanahan, McVay, Stefanski, Taylor, Wayne of the offensive playbook world, Jared Goff, Jimmy Garoppolo, you know, Kirk Cousins, Matt Ryan, like not super athletic quarterbacks. Well, it's not- Ryan had the Ryan had the one the MVP year under Kyle Shanahan, where it took Shanahan a whole year to teach Ryan how to run boot, and yeah. then he won MVP, and he probably hasn't ever done it since. Yeah, and it's not so much that you're like in Lance's hands and Trey Lance's hands, this oh. sort of boot kind of offense. It's a different thing because then you have the added element of what he can do both with his arm and his, with, with his legs. Well, but, the, all that counter bash stuff he, he and Garoppolo alternated with against the Raiders. We, you and I wrote right. about that and it was like, Holy crap. Yeah. I mean, it, it will be, it's not going to be that it will be more of the, we're going to move him around give him some three-level reads. We might have a guy in Taekwon Thornton that can be the vertical stretch in these three-level reads because apparently he's blowing up in camp. But it's a a design to sort of get him in a more favorable setting and give him an opportunity to perhaps push the ball downfield a little bit more, which is an area of their offense that was sorely lacking last year. Now, having said all that, there's a lot going on because their Monday practice, Doug, was – Horrific. I, saw I had somebody that. just like, ooh, avert your eyes. I had somebody tell me that I have seen that they had seen Pop Warner offenses that were more efficient and effective than what we saw from the Patriots. And now they got a little bit better. Tuesday's practice was apparently better. Um, Skarnecki's underlying point was twofold. A, they've done this stuff before. Like, I've got their 16 playbook on the floor next to me. Like you can find outside zone. Like you can find oh, wide sure. zone. Like sure. They've got all this. Every team runs some level of zone and some level of gap in different iterations of it. Yeah. I mean, it's it's the same thing like when you start talking passing concepts. Like every team has mesh in the playbook. They just might not call it. It's more a point of emphasis. And I was on a show with Andrew Callahan, who covers the team with Karen Gergersian at um Boston Herald. And what he basically said was look, they're also struggling to get receiver separation. So now if you use tight bunches, yeah, you tight bunches and things like that, it might sort of generate. Halfway through the 2019 season, I'm the most frustrated quarterback in the NFL. Well, yeah, that's kind of great. And the other point from Scar is if it's not working, they won't do it. Like Belichick's not going to just say, look, this is what we're doing. You know, if we get through Thursday night against the Giants, Next week, they've got joint practices with Carolina. And that was kind of the marker that Scar threw down. He's like, let's see what it looks like after these joint practices. Because if it's still not working, they'll scrap it. But the the, the bigger thing is the play calling situation. Is it Patricia? Is it Judge? Patricia's been the one radioing in the stuff right now. But this is during training camp when everything is scripted anyway. Like, there's no real surprise in what you're calling. I want to see what it looks like Thursday night. Is it him? Because Joe Judge has the same title as offensive assistant quarterback coach that Bill O'Brien had when McDaniels left. Now, whether it's Judge or Patricia doesn't inspire confidence, particularly when you remember you need consistency around the quarterback. And the other thing, and this is really interesting, 
Phil Perry told me this after Tuesday's practice, Mac Jones met the media. They've changed their protection calls too. Yeah. Like the terminology is new. I saw that transcript. Major protections, all that stuff and how they do that is new. And it's like, that's a lot to change for a second year quarterback. Yeah. That's the one. You're the best gap blocking team in the NFL. I'll give you a point of emphasis, Mark. This is per sports info solutions last year, last season. And we all remember what, uh, you know, with the wham concepts and the outside and the bash, what they did against the bills where they, the, the game where Mac Jones threw the ball like three times. Um, last season, for Sports Info Solutions, the Patriots ran gap. And I know there are different versions of gap, so I'm really oversimplifying. These are the stats I have. Last season, the Patriots ran gap 51% of the time, ranked first in the league. They ran zone 42% of the time, 32nd in the league. I was on a podcast with Ollie Connolly a couple of weeks ago, a great guy from the UK. We all know Ollie. He's yep. super smart. And we, were, we did a whole hour on the Chiefs offense and what it looked like without Tyreek Hill and, you know, blah, blah, this and blah, blah, that. And I made the point that with Orlando Brown, Creed Humphrey, I mean, all five of their guys, Joe Tooney in New England running gap, you know, blocking gap all those years, all five of the guys, and they replaced their entire offensive line last season. They got five guys who were better in gap than in zone. Oklahoma ran the crap out of gap uh, with, with Creed Humphrey as center. And that's how Ramondre Stevenson got a little semi-truck holes. And where did he go? Right. Oh, New England. That worked out pretty well. So it, it's, and the Chiefs ran zone like 71% of the time. And that's the, I think that's one reason their run game, I mean, it was like a third sweeps to Hill and Hardman. They didn't have a defined run game. And you can win without that, but it's harder. And I'm just looking at this going, is this a case of Patricia and Judge just saying, hey, we want to be Kyle Shanahan. We want to be Sean McVay. We want to do sweep, outside zone, boot. Whether our personnel fits it or not, that's what we want to do. We have taken this, we want to just glue this arc, like the big plastic thing on top of Soldier Field. And you're like, what? That doesn't even work. It doesn't fit. It doesn't make any sense. That's, and I don't, I'm not, I'm, I'm as far away from Foxborough as you can be and still be in America out here in Seattle. I don't know. I'm not there every day. I'm not talking to people, but it seems like from the outside, from a half educated guest, it seems like one of those situations where the guys under Belichick, are trying to superimpose ideas on personnel that may or may not be able to implement it. That's what it sounds like to me. Yeah. I mean, it certainly, it certainly has that feel. I, I think. And you know, eventually Belichick's going to turn the car around. All right, kids, shut up. I'm, I'm, we're going yeah. to do it. And, do it. And, and maybe, you know, that corner got turned on Tuesday, you know, after Monday's practice, David Andrews, the center, like, pulled the offense aside that he get kicked out for fighting Christian Barmore on Tuesday. Like maybe that switch has sort of flipped. I you know, but like Christian Barmore under any circumstances. Absolutely true. not. Absolutely not. That's nowhere near where I would want to be, but the struggles are from an offensive line perspective. The struggles are from a separation perspective. And maybe if you're trying to bootstrap success for both of those units, this is what you think you have to do. But if it comes at the expense of what we're seeing so far, it might not be worth it, and it might be time for Belichick to turn the car around. Well, the last time they won the Super Bowl, 53, you you remember this. In the second half of the season, that's when Brady was, like, pulling his hair out, going, I can't. Edelman was hurt. Nobody could get open. What did they, they do? Were, they were they were the living team. crap out of everyone in the run game, and they got that all the way to their last Lombardi. That's yeah. that's really what they did. And it was, it was intelligent smash, smash mouth. 
That's what they yep. did against the Bills. It was like, okay, we have a first-year quarterback in Mac Jones. We're going to go back to the Antoine Smith plan with Tom Brady in 2000, right. 2001. Like, well, he can't handle the whole thing yet, so let's not, you know. But now they're changing protection calls, and they're changing their run schemes, and Skarnecki is like you – know, I've talked to Skarnecki before. I can imagine there's what he said, and there's what he was thinking, like, you freaking dumbasses. <laughs> yeah, I, I'm sure. I'm sure. Because Coach Scar, like most great offensive line coaches, and that's why I love talking to offensive line coaches, no filter at all. Right. Yeah. Anyway, uh, so that's – that's <laughs> we uh, teased the Patriots there, and what we're going to do today right in. is go through the power rankings I put up this morning. Just going to run this dog to see if we can find any type of uh, human remains that are left. Listen to Where Secrets Go to Die, The Disappearance of Derek Hennigan. From the Detroit Free Press, a new podcast set in the woods of Michigan's Upper Peninsula. Available on Apple, Spotify, Freep.com, or wherever you get your podcasts. And I'm already getting yelled at on Twitter because that's the whole fun of power rankings. Uh, but Mark, you have the next hour. So to tell me where I got this right, where I got it wrong, where I blew it. Um, and I wanted to put these teams into tiers. I sent this to you last night where I have nine tiers and I want to start with the total rebuilds and we'll talk about each team. <clears throat> this is the teams I see like from the studs. We have to start over and this is the beginning of that. And that's the Falcons, the Bears, the Jaguars, the Panthers, the Seahawks the Giants and the Lions, where you're not, you're really, you want to be competitive, but you know there's a long way to go. This is especially true for the Falcons and the Bears, who I think are, are arm wrestling for worst roster in the NFL. And, of course, now Rokon Smith wants a trade, so hi, Bears. Uh, any of those teams right. you see as anything more than a rebuild? The Detroit Lions. Me. I, 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 I'm buying in. Um, you know, defend the den, restore the roar, whatever, you know, little catchphrase they're using. And it's not just because Hard Knocks debuted last night, which I didn't watch a minute of. We talked about this team all last year, Doug, right? Like the proverbial team that nobody wants to play, the proverbial team with the opposing head coach after the win says, yeah, that team gave us everything that they had. We felt like teams actually meant it when they beat the Lions. Like mm-hmm. Baltimore, for example, that takes them down to a Justin Tucker 66-yard field goal at the gun to, to win it. Like this is a team that fought hard for Dan Campbell. And I kind of like what they've added. I mean, Hutchinson, yeah, Williams, fantastic. Like especially if he's fully back and healthy. Like I think this team is not going to be a contender in the North or anything like that. But one of the most popular bets in Vegas right now is the over on there, I think, five and a half over under win total. And I see it. And I'm not a believer in Jared Goff, but I think that this roster is good enough that they can be competitive. And I would I would kind of bump them up to the next tier, the like feisty but not there yet tier. Okay. Um, I will say Amon Ross St. Brown. Fourth round pick from USC last year. Um, I love in him. the second half of the season, he was in catches, targets, yards, touchdowns. One of the five most productive receivers in the NFL, and it got lost because you know it's the Lions. But you yeah. know, they, yeah, they got some stuff. I could bump them up there. Um, the Falcons and the Bears, I think, were just 
Wow. Ouch. Years of neglect, and now uh, we're just trying to see what we have a quarterback in that. Jaguars, I almost put the Jaguars in feisty, but not there yet. I, I Because you just know with Doug Peterson, he's going to make Trevor Lawrence better. Trevon yeah. Walker, after the Hall of Fame game, I think we can stop worrying about his pressure numbers at Georgia. Yes? Yeah, exactly. Panthers and Seahawks, you've got people in charge who may or may not should be in charge. I don't know. Matt Rule's got his guys running gassers because he doesn't know what touchdown passes look like. Okay. Uh, Giants. Yeah, I can't put him at feisty with that. Derek, yeah, because I, no, absolutely Daniel, not. And with, look, with Daniel Jones and I, in my stats that matter piece, Football Outsiders, uh, they have their DVOA metric, which goes back to 1981 now. So there's a large sample size. Um, the quarterbacks who in their first three years had DVOA of negative 10 or lower. It was like Tim Couch, Jeff George, Sam Darnold, oops, um, outside of George, who was decent later in his career when he got out of his own way and let his tools show up. And, and for those who don't remember, Jeff George had like insane tools. He was like yeah. Josh Allen without, without the mobility. Um, the, the history of guys with that kind of subpar performance in their first three NFL seasons, there isn't an exception. It doesn't work. I don't get Brian Dable could be Bill Walsh and, you know, Don Coriel Frankenstein together. I don't, I don't see it. I didn't see it when they drafted him sixth overall. I'm like, that's a, that's third round tape at Duke. So with the giants, it's like, you're, they're all also these teams and the Falcons are this way. Um, the Panthers are probably this way. I don't know what's going to happen. Mayfield, the Seahawks, as I wrote in the power rankings, they're playing in 2022 for the 2023 draft. I mean, they're right. not going to tank per se, but, this is what you have. The Lions with Goff. I mean, you, you, you're just, you know, you can say the Dolphins and the Eagles, but with the Giants, I, you know, it doesn't really matter what else you do. Your quarterback isn't good enough to win, and I don't know what you do with that. Yeah, everything coming out in New York right now with the Giants just says that Jones is struggling. Like, the name that I've heard a lot in the past couple of days is Tyrod Taylor. Like, how quickly do we go to Tyrod Taylor is something that, like, beat writers are exploring right now with the Giants because Jones has struggled. Now, I I, I, f- I figured that they were going to be a team in the sort of mix for the 2023 quarterback class anyway. You've got a new head coach. You've got a new GM. Your guy, you got to make a decision on the fifth-year option as they came into this this situation. Like, it doesn't bode well for Jones anyway, and now the reports are that he's struggling. Like, that's well, a bad situation. the option, I, and there's no reason not to. There, there's yeah, nothing. Like, couple there was no ago, he had a, a like that. a little tiny cup of coffee as a good deep passer, but you know that didn't last. Yeah. <laughs> so that's the thing with them. Uh, I just want to go through the teams here and see if there's anything of note. Yeah, Falcons and Bears. Oh. I don't even know who Justin Fields' receivers are. Oh, and the Bears got uh, – yeah, I, I like that they're working on scramble drills now for Darnold yeah. Mooney. Yeah. At least fire Matt Nagy every single day for the next 10 years. Uh, on defense, the Bears are dealing with much of the same secondary. They got absolutely torched last season on passes of 20 or more air yards, 11 touchdowns, and no interceptions, worst in the league. They do have Kyler Gordon and Jaquan Brisker. So, you know, Matt Eberflus, I would imagine more too high because that's what he does. Jaguars, yeah, I, you know, now that I'm, and I, I said we may look back in time and wonder why we had them this slow to start. They're 30 and they may be, you know, should I put them, should I put them behind the Panthers? Maybe not. 
Uh, I'll have to say about the Panthers is Matt Rule. <laughs> yeah. Okay, whatever. Uh, Seahawks, there is that. And I wrote a whole piece about this when they made the Russell Wilson trade. Generally speaking, the same people responsible for teams rebuild aren't allowed to be the architects of that rebuild. Uh, John Schneider and Pete Carroll earned a lot of equity uh, a few years back. We'll see how that goes. Giants, yeah. Lions, um, DJ Shark, we like him. Uh, Let's go to the next tier, which is feisty, but not there yet. And that's the Jets and the Texans. I will say this. I, I can't think of a team that nailed free agency and the draft this year more than the Jets did. I mean, holy crap. They got Lakin Tomlinson, C.J. Uzoma. They got Jacob Martin, very underrated edge rusher. They got D.J. Reed, who balled out in Seattle despite a defense a set of schemes that helped nobody, uh, and Jordan Whitehead, safety. Then in the first round, they get Sauce Gardner, Garrett Wilson, and Jermaine Johnson, who you could make incredible in, in three picks in the first round. You can make a credible argument. They got the best players at each of those positions in this draft class. Um, they're improving the NFL's worst pass defense in 2021. Uh, the pressure is on Zach Wilson to, you know, hem in the yellow tendencies and channel them into more explosive plays. Um, I know I was higher on Zach coming out than you were, but I think the Jets are definitely on, on the come. And I think with the Texans, and they've been the joke of the league for a while now, we all know why. Um, uh, but, the thing is, and it doesn't matter where it comes from, but when you have a Davis Mills who comes in, exceeds expectations, and you think, yeah, we have the elements of the starting quarterback here. So now Nick Casario and his staff can throw their draft picks and their free agent dollars at other problems. Um, you know, I think overall, especially if they took Derek Stingley, if they get 2019 Derek Stingley, which from camp video it looks like they might have, and Jalen Petrie, who I think is – kind of a honey badger junior um, Texans. They're not going to win 10 games, but they may be more credible than people think coming into the season. Yeah. I mean, th- these two teams, I think are perfect for this tier. I mean, the jets uh, as a Patriots fan, like scare me for 2023 and beyond just because when you add three first round picks, like when you, like when you think about what they could do on third and lawn defensively with Lawson, and Johnson at the edges, but JFM kicked inside. Like that's going to pose some problems. And when you've got Sauce, who uh, I was writing back in October that, like, yeah, the Jets are going to draft this guy in the first round, and people thought I was crazy. Um, no, this is the perfect Robert Sala corner. Like, well, Sauce is the next Richard Sherman. Who told me that? Richard yeah. Sherman. Yeah. Yeah. Um, authority on that subject. With the Texans, they've now got Cleveland's first round pick, which, as we'll get to in a moment. That could be an earlier pick than people expect, given how mm. things play out legally. And they have their own first-round pick. If you could get Davis Mills to convince you you don't need to put those together in a package to get up and get C.J. Stroud or Bryce Young or whoever emerges as QB1, and you add two blue-chip talents at different positions around the quarterback, that could be really good in 2023. They're starting to build it. Who's that kid from Boston? Is it Boston, the Djurkovic kid? Who, who are you? Djurkovic, yeah. Oh, who yeah, I yeah. really, really, really like. This time last year, I was like, he's going to make the rise. He's going to be your Joe Burrow guy. Then he broke his wrist and he barely played, and it was Kenny Pickett. But interestingly enough, who's Jakovic working with? Tony Rossiopi, who coached Kenny Pickett. Uh-huh. Yeah. Plot thickens. So, feisty, but not, not there yet. Jets, Texans, 
fans of those teams, I think you'll have a fun season watching everything grow. Uh, tier number three is the WTF tier. Patriots, we've already talked about. Cardinals, <laughs> Dolphins, <Yeah. laughs> Commanders. Uh, the Commanders, the, they had a stacked defense. They ranked 27th in defensive DVOA coverage. Bust all over the place. So, of course, they fired their defensive line coach because can't touch Jack Del Rio. Oh, no, no, yep. no. Never, never base your coaching decisions on guys you had beers with in the eighties. Yeah, Um, so Cardinals, you and I both wrote about this. We haven't talked about it uh, publicly. Where do you stand on the whole Kyler Murray? Well, two questions: the Kyler Murray film study thing, which they eventually had to rescind because it just is a bad look for everyone. What do you think of that? Because, and, and then, are there? And I've asked you this before: are there? Times on the field where an alleged lack of film study shows up in Murray's play. Because I'll tell you, I there are hall there are quarterbacks who are going to the Hall of Fame. Um, I'll mention two, Brett Favre and Ben Roethlisberger, who probably could have used a couple of film study clauses in their contracts. And I'm I'm trying to imagine Al Davis putting a film cla- a film study contract in one of Ken Stabler's contracts and how that would go. So I don't know how much stuff there it's a much more complicated game now. But where do you stand on this whole thing? Yeah, it's interesting. Like, it's hard to pinpoint moments in plays where you're like, yeah, this is a, a film-watching thing. Because, like, Mac Jones watches film as much as anybody else, and you can still see moments where, like, he's missing stuff. It's not because of film. It's because of other things. Like, yeah. I think it's just it, – it's like the proverbial shot across the bow uh, to Murray. And mm-hmm. people have actually done statistical studies of – you know, his performance dips after they release Call of Duty every October. His I performance, his, his performance dips when they have, you know, double XP weekends on Call of Duty. And it's like, well, he's so c- consumed with playing Call of Duty. And Murray didn't help himself when he told the New York Times like two years ago, like, yeah, I don't need to watch film. Like it just kind of happens naturally for me. Like there have been rumblings since that article out of Arizona from beat writers and others that like, the guy needs to study film more. Like he needs to, and this is the world we live in. Paxton Lynch is the prime example. Everybody in Denver will tell you after they drafted him, they would log on to play Call of Duty and see him into the wee hours of the morning on Saturdays before games. Like we could track guys because of we know their tags and their gamer tags. And so I was with Sports Illustrated uh, when Paxton Lynch was drafted. I was in the New York offices to cover the draft that year. I got to watch tape with him the day before the draft. And it, I think of the, the Memphis game we went over and the extent to which he couldn't explain, because I've watched tape with a lot of quarterbacks and, you know, the real, like, you know, you watch tape with Matt Ryan, you just sit there and go, whoa. Yeah. Um, Patrick Mahomes. Whoa. Uh, this guy. No. Yeah. So, I mean, you know, I, I think it was, and apparently it came from ownership. Like they wanted some sort of buy-in from Murray. It's not the best look. Let's put it that way. They also have some issues on defense and, you know, Cliff with his personnel. They're so much better with pre-snap motion and they have been through the Kingsbury era. And I know, yes, I talk too much about motion, but they're so much better with it that maybe Kyler is the only one who should be doing some off-season homework. Because should yeah. look at the SIS database and see where his offense really rolls and stop with the 10 personnel all the time. Right. Teams have figured you out. Just going to run this dog to see if we can find any type of uh, human remains that are left. 
listen to Where Secrets Go to Die, The Disappearance of Derek Hennigan. From the Detroit Free Press, a new podcast set in the woods of Michigan's Upper Peninsula. Available on Apple, Spotify, Freep.com, or wherever you get your podcasts. Just saying. Uh, rant over other WTF teams, Dolphins, all the offseason stuff to, uh, I don't know, uh, Commanders. You got Carson Wentz. I don't know what else to tell you. Yeah, Any I mean, I've teams? had people that have been, I've had people that have been at trade camp saying that Wentz looks better than sort of expectations right now. That he oh, he really will. Good- he'll he'll make three Hall of Fame throws in a row and then just take a giant dump off a cliff. That's, yeah, that's that's, that's, that's the issue. And, you know, and, and every time I've been asked about Wentz, it's like, yeah, he was twenty-seven and seven last year. Like that's a TD interception ratio that's not too bad. It's just the seven interceptions plus the one that could change to. He really should be eight because of that play against San Francisco where he like threw it into somebody's hands when he was scrambling in the rain. Those are boneheaded, jaw-dropping moments that he has to eliminate. And there is nothing about Carson Wentz dated back to North Dakota State that makes me think he'll eliminate those seven to eight bad plays over the course of a season. Football Outsiders has a metric called adjusted interceptions. And that's, you know, interceptions that were dropped, you know, end of quarters where you're just vomiting the ball up and everyone's doing the tip drillings. And I believe by far... Wentz was the one of the luckiest quarterbacks as far as dropped interceptions and, and things like that. So you have to look yeah. at you know, when you say twenty-seven and seven, I don't know what that means. Uh, I, you know, right. I would I would want to go through all his interceptions. I would want to go through the incomplete passes to see how many of those were pass deflections, dropped interceptions. I would imagine from what I've seen of Wentz, and that kind of I know Patrick Mahomes in his first three NFL seasons had the most bizarre good interception luck and then it kind of turned <laughs> not to say that Mahomes is a mirage we all know better than that but those little things can catch up to you um and the Dolphins you know we're all waiting on Tua and they've got yeah like, it's Tua period they've got like everything else is good slot receivers so good for them right uh possible playoff teams with major concerns Steelers Vikings Colts Titans Saints with the Steelers, it's obviously the quarterback. With the Vikings, it's the defense. With the Colts, it's a bit of a drop in offensive line. Hopefully, Quentin Nelson is healthy. Not sure about the defense. Who's Matt Ryan going to throw to? Uh, with the Titans, it's Derrick Henry has you know leading the NFL in all possible categories two years in a row. Was on track to do that. Um, last year before he got hurt, came back for the playoff game, kind of looked like he was running in cement. And that whole football outsider's person 370, like, when does the workload catch up? And you have Ryan Tannehill throwing 11 interceptions on third down. Not great, Bob. Led the lead by far. So with the Titans, I don't know. Saints, you know, they were the third best defense by DVOA last year, second best the year before. Um, they're projected by a lot of people to have the, the NFL's best defense this year. I think if Jameis stays healthy, they go from playoff teams with major concerns to great if everything goes right, which is yeah. huge enough. I think you keep Jameis healthy, you give him play action, you give him motion. <coughs> Excuse me. You get him the concepts with he's comfortable with. I think that's a playoff team. 
Yeah, I think so too. I mean, I think the Colts and the Saints stand out to me in this tier as the two teams I'd be most comfortable bumping up and bumping two categories because we got a unique one coming next. Um, The Titans worry me for a couple of different reasons. The Ryan Tannehill dark mode that he's talked about, like the dark space he's been in since that loss. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. And I'm not making light of that at all. That's a whole. No, no, no. But it does seem like there might be a handover here. Like Mm -hmm. the team comes out of drafts Malik Willis. You get some bad vibes. And, you know, I've thrown many interceptions in my day, some of which I still have nightmares about. Um, But it, it seems like there's a handover potential here. I remember when they got the first overall seed, a lot of people, football outsiders and others, said that they were a paper tiger. They're the worst one seed in history. That proved to be relatively correct. How do they respond from that? I went back and watched, because that was uh, the stat I used for 11. The stat that matters for the Titans was 11 third down interceptions. And I went back and looked at all of them. And the thing, and maybe this ties into that hangover, um, and I can say the same thing about Lamar last year. A lot of the interceptions were late. Yeah. You've got guys on defense just waiting, hanging over the receiver like, yep, here it comes, here it comes. I know it's coming. I'm probably looking it up right now. Um, yep. That's a thing. So we'll see. It's it's a big thing. And I I I don't know if he comes back from that. I'm interested with the Vikings. They've got all kinds of issues on defense. Um Kevin O'Connell said he wants the offense to be less predictable. They were a heavy under center, you know, two back. (laughs) Cousins was still the best deep thrower in the NFL last year. So, interesting to see. And I give Kirk Cousins, you know, we we poke a lot of fun at Kirk Cousins. I will say that from a physical just tools perspective, that guy has maxed it out as much as – yeah. He's made the most of what he's got. I'll give him credit for that. But then when you're, like, getting in Mike Zimmer's face after leading a comeback win saying you saved the guy's job, but it was a comeback against the Detroit Lions, like, calm down, dude. Like There are there are other issues with Mr. Yeah. Cousins, and we yeah. won't be in those. Uh, Steelers, couple. it's not just the quarterback thing. We all know about that. Um, Stephon Tuitt was injured, and he had some personal issues, missed all of 2021. Now he's retired. That run defense fell apart without to it. Cam Hayward had to be Superman all year, and he's capable of doing that. But yeah. when Hayward was out, the Steelers, well, when he was in, they allowed 4.5 yards per carry. Not great. When he was out, 5.5. That's how you lose games. So they got Larry Ogunjobi, who I love. Loved him for a long time. A former Browns and, and Bengals defensive tackle. If he can shore that inside up, then they're good. If not, it's not just a quarterback thing with them. Yeah. <clears throat> okay, our next category, Deshaun Watson category. And there's only one, thank God, the Cleveland freaking Browns. Yep. I mean, here's the thing, and I've been saying this. We we know Goodell came out, you know, we're recording this Thursday. It's Thursday? Or no, it's Wednesday. I don't even know what day it is. Um Goodell came out season. on Tuesday. I came down, Goodell came out on Tuesday and basically had his first sort of public comments about the whole thing. He called it predatory behavior. He said it was egregious. The NFL still wants to drop the hammer on this guy. Yep. Six games right now. Okay. They start Carolina, the Jets, the Steelers, Atlanta. Okay. That's their first four. They could win those games with Jacoby Brissett. Here are their next two. 
the Chargers, the Patriots. Now it's starting to get a little shaky. So that's the six games. They could theoretically survive, stay afloat. The problem is what's after that. If this goes longer, this becomes 8, 10, 12. You've got after that week six game against the Patriots, the Ravens, the Bengals, the Dolphins, the Bills, the Buccaneers. That's when it really starts to come, starts to come off. And so we know what the NFL is going to push for. They're going to push for the season. And they might get it that, from well, what they want is not just the season, but 2023 20, conditionally. You yeah. go into ther- counseling. You yeah. only use massage therapists authorized by the team, which, uh, how'd that work out when he was in Houston? Not so good. Right. Um, what happened originally was the NFL is pushing for all of this season and maybe next season, depending on how he dealt with it. <laughs> in settlement talks, the NFL back down to 12 games and a heavy fine. And I think that's where it's going to go. Yeah. I, gonna be I mean, I, the other conditions, you know, th- there have been lots of sort of quasi or even full on legal arguments made about the other conditions since they're not really considered under the CBA. They might not get those, especially in a federal court. But the season suspension, I think, is on the table. Yeah. And yeah, we'll see. I, I, I think it's at least 12 games, if not the full yeah. season. I mean, I, I, and if honestly, I've said it before, uh, outside of the on, I, I wouldn't want this guy anywhere near my team. Yeah. If I had a team, I, I just, I don't, the whole thing is a big stinking black eye. And yep. by the way, you had a guy in Mayfield who was really good in 2020 when he was healthy and you alienate him and he's now in Carolina. Way to go. Yep. Great job. Okay, the next tier, great if everything goes right. That's Eagles, Raiders, Cowboys. And I'm not, I'm now looking at the Eagles as possible playoff teams with major concerns. And the major concerns are not just Jalen Hurts, but a defense that ranked 25th in DVOA, 25th against the pass. Now they get James Bradbury from the Giants. Okay, he's good. But, uh, they need to stop playing that stupid invert two, please. Does anyone like invert two? What's the point? Quarterbacks. Tell me. Quarterbacks like it. There, there's yeah. no man. quarterbacks like it. Quarterbacks right. like it. The people yeah. I've talked to in in and around the league say, "Hey, we like it when our opponents do it." Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, the the thing about the Eagles. Um, talking to Mike Kay, who was at a bunch of their practices already. He was at their sort of stadium scrimmage, stadium practice Sunday night. The defense looks good because you've now got weapons at all levels, like. You know, Hassan Reddick has come in. You know, Jordan Davis is going to yes, give you something. and Hassan Reddick is so underrated. Yeah. You've got Kazir White now on the second level of that defense. With Bradbury and Slay, you've got guys that it might not be all invert two. Gannon still wants – he's very much – um who was it? Schwartz that like to play sort of those off coverages, right? Mm-hmm. Let guys come downhill and tackle. Like that's what fits Slay well. Zone kind of fits Bradbury well. Um, so I think they're going to be better defensively. The one worrying thing that I've heard out of Eagles camp is that everybody, whether it's Kemsky, whether it's K, whether it's others, BLG, AJ Brown has seen 8 million targets so far. Every throw is forced in his direction right now. Is that because they're trying to get him on the same page with Hertz? Or do we have an issue where Hertz is going to lock in on this guy all the time? Because as K told me yesterday, Devonta Smith's open all the time. And sometimes Hertz isn't even looking at him. Well, did we see that last year? Yes, we did. Yeah. So 
The, yeah. The way I had started my Eagles panel in Power Rangers at the time is now for Jalen Hurts to succeed or step aside. His team has done yeah. as much as it possibly can to build the right environment around him. Uh, he's got A.J. Brown. We did our position lists. The Eagles were the only team to have four offensive linemen. Jason Kelsey, Lyndon Dickerson, Lane Johnson, Jordan Mailata. Four of their five offensive linemen ranked in the top 11, 12, 13 at their position. Yeah. Um, one interesting thing I, I discovered when I was researching the stat that matter, stats that matter piece, um, and we know that this is not – base defense is not base defense. Nickel is base, and then diamond, then, you know, quote-unquote base. Um, quarterbacks running against uh, – out of 11 personnel. Josh Allen was the most prolific. Jalen Hurts was second. So there are things he can do, and they, they've schemed him up in certain ways. But there's absolutely, you know, there's quarterbacks who just don't have excuses anymore. (laughs) And I'm not saying Hurts has been terrible, but he needs to be better than this with all this stuff around him. And he can't just vapor lock on one guy. Yeah. Um, Yeah, that's that's kind of a thing. Yeah, no, it is. Just going to run this dog to see if we can find any type of uh, human remains that are left. Listen to Where Secrets Go to Die, The Disappearance of Derek Hennigan. From the Detroit Free Press, a new podcast set in the woods of Michigan's Upper Peninsula. Available on Apple, Spotify, Freep.com, or wherever you get your podcasts. Uh, Raiders, great if everything goes right. You know, are they really going to trade Josh Jacobs? No, McDaniels has said no. <laughs> we had him as the eighth best running back in the league in our list. Yeah. What? Let, let's remember, while Mc, while Jacobs might not get, like, full-on RB1 type of touches because McDaniels trying to predict what he does with running backs is so hard week to week, at the same time, like, he's going to want him on this roster. He's going to want him to be a part of what they're doing offensively. Like, you're going to see guys get a lot of touches. You're going to see – you know, Brandon Bolden is going to make this team. Like, yeah, make no questions about that. Well, they, they also him. brought over, and this is another thing about the Patriots. They don't have a fullback, which is really interesting for such a great power running team because Jacob Johnson, who was, you know, the, the kid from Stuttgart, who just blew everyone up, is now yeah. with the Raiders. McDaniels yeah. took him. So you're going to see some stuff. You might see some pony. You'll see some offset eye. Um, and, Jacobs might see some light boxes with Devontae Adams and Darren Waller, Hunter Renfro. Hello. Yeah, I mean, I like I think, all of these. Yeah. I like the three teams in this tier. I think the Raiders, I don't know what their one fatal flaw would be, so I don't know if they really fit in the next category, but like, well, I feel they like they're two. better. I, I see, they don't have one potentially fatal flaw. They have two. The secondary? Uh, yeah. Very much a work in progress. Casey Hayward's now with the Falcons. He was their best DB last year. Oops. And the offensive line outside of Colton Miller is still recovering from what Tom Cable did to it, which, as I know very well, is a multi-year process. And then Dallas. (laughs) The issue with Dallas is depth. Depth I mean, we're seeing right now, like, Washington and Gallup aren't going to be ready for week one. Like, Jalen Tolbert is now penciled in as a starter on their first official depth chart. Like, Dallas has depth issues. There's a kicking battle going on. They drafted Tyler Smith. He's now 
Sorry about that, folks. My modem decided to take a giant dump right in the middle of our podcast. That was great. Yeah. Anyway. It was a Wednesday by the morning. Yeah, talking about the Cowboys, receiver depth. Yeah, so great if everything goes right. Eagles, Raiders, Cowboys. One potentially fatal flaw away. We have the Chargers, Ravens, 49ers, and Packers. For the Chargers, it's run defense. We all know that. Um, Sebastian Joseph Day will help. They're going to do it by committee. Um, I mocked Jordan Davis to them like every single time. Didn't work out, but that would have been illegal. Yeah. Ravens, Lamar. I mean, what? And they, the Ravens had the worst injury luck like ever last year. And you think it's going to turn around now? Landon Dickerson or, or not? Uh, Tyler Linderbaum. Thank you. Yeah. He's- and apparently he had the list, Frank, but now it's a different injury. He had the list, Frank, in his final college game. Yeah, but it's it's not great. Um, yeah. The injury luck might not have gone away. The 49ers, you're just, you know, where is Trey Lance and all that? Um, everything else looks fine. Uh, Packers, it's not it, – it, well, the defense is great. The run game is great. The offensive line is great, even with Bakhtiari's, you know, is he going to be ready or not? Everything around that team is great except for the receivers. And now, I mean, Aaron Rodgers was, you know, complaining about this before – now there's no Devontae Adams. There's no MVS. Uh, Romeo Dubs has looked great. I, I wrote a whole article about him, the kid from yeah. Nevada, but you got to wonder. Yeah. I mean, and, and people have made the point that Rodgers doesn't always get on the same page with young receivers early. So while Dubs has looked great and, you know, you wrote about this, does that translate to games? Does it even translate to preseason games if we see Rodgers at all? So, you know, the weapons around Rodgers, that's the big question. The defense, I think, is going to be great. But as we talked about, like, last year with the Steelers and some other teams, like, you know, this isn't a rock fight league anymore. Like, you've got to put points up. And do the Packers have enough to put points up, even with Rodgers? I wonder if – because that's a Super Bowl defense. If everyone oh, – yeah. yeah. everything goes right, I mean, they, they're – you know, they got the Georgia guy. They, they got everything. On defense, they have the best running back tandem in the league, perhaps. Everything else is there. And I'm wondering if Brian Gutekunst and his staff are thinking, you know, as long as we have Aaron, he's, you know, he's Aaron Rodgers. He's the best pure thrower of the football I've ever seen. But maybe they want to put him on the John Elway plan where everything is great around you. So you don't have to be great all the time. And maybe that's what he's been bucking against. I don't know. Yeah, maybe. I mean, you know, look at how the Mike McCarthy era ended in Green Bay, where it was, we're just going to rely on Rodgers to sort of figure things out. Look at how Brady's career ended in New England, where it's like, you know, we're not doing that. And then they had to sort of staple things together. So I think that's part of the tension that's going on here. Well, that was how the McCarthy era started and how the whole thing went. Yeah. Good luck. Well, I mean, Rodgers is probably used some Ayukasa. Um, this off season, so I guess he's going to be ready to go. This season could be positively psychedelic. No. <laughs> okay, our penultimate tier have to take them absolutely seriously for the whole thing: Chiefs, Buccaneers, Bengals, Broncos, Rams. Two years ago, the Buccaneers signed Tom Brady and then won the Super Bowl. They were only a quarterback away. Last year, the Rams get Matthew Stafford, only a quarterback away. Are the Broncos only a quarterback? We know they have a quarterback. Are they right. only a quarterback away? I kind of posit that they may be. The only problem is that AFC West is a freaking bloodbath. I don't know who's yeah. coming out of there alive. Yeah, and you know they they might 
I don't know if the AFC West being, you know, as good as it is, is like a fatal flaw, but their defensive front is also a question. Like talking to yeah, people yeah. in Denver, they love the secondary, you know, with Simmons, with Sertan. They've got tremendous talent in the secondary. Defensive front is a bit shaky. Like, can you – and it's weird. I was talking to uh, David Crumrow on on his show, and the Raiders and the Broncos are like mirror images of each other on defense, right? With yeah. the Raiders, great defensive front, huge questions about the secondary. You got with Max Crosby and Chandler Jones. Ouch. Yeah. I mean, with the Broncos, it's like really good secondary. What are you getting outside of Bradley Chubb? Like – Randy Gregory's on pup right now. We don't know if he's going to come back. Like maybe he pans out and that, that helps this pass rush, but that's a question right now. When you combine that with the, you know, gauntlet will be the AFC West. That might be a lot for both those teams, the Raiders and the Broncos to overcome. The difference now is they've got Russell Wilson who can paper over some problems. Uh, he will paper over most of your problems. Yeah. Um, Seattle's going to really regret that this year. I don't, I don't think. Well, we're about to find out. I don't think we actually understand how much Russell <laughs> hid, but we're, yeah. we're, we're going to find out up here. The Chiefs are really interesting. Last year, they just swapped out their whole offensive line, as we discussed. They lost, in my opinion, their two most, with all due deference to Chris Jones, their two most impactful non-Patrick Mahomes players in Tyreek Hill and Tyron Matthews. Um, cause Tyron ran that defense. Spagnolo yeah. called it, but Matthew ran it on the field. Um, that, so they got Reed from Houston. I think they're going to run a lot more too high. Speaking of too high, I, I know it's a simplistic trope, but when you watch Mahomes against too high and what that did to him, and Kevin Clark from the ringer did a great piece where he talked to Brett Veach and Andy Reed and Mahomes. And one thing, you know, Andy said, we've got a whole bunch of stuff to counter that. And I believe him. He's Andy Reid. I'm not going to question it. Um, but there there are some question marks there. I don't think there's any fatal flaw, but there are question marks. Um, we love Sky Moore. Loved him coming oh, yeah. out. I thought he was like Julian Edelman plus. He was a perfect fit for that offense. Uh, Buccaneers, they had 14 different defensive bat combinations on the field. Uh, now, Winfield, the safety, did turn into kind of the alpha of that defense. But they're going to want more stability there. Bengals, I think the defense is going to be great. And with, you know, all those new offensive line pieces, maybe Joe Burrow doesn't have to. Maybe we can see what Joe Burrow actually can be in the NFL when he's not getting the snot knocked out of him or just running around trying to stay alive. Uh, the Rams, a lot of talent attrition. I don't know about that. Um, and that happens to Super Bowl teams. It's why the 3 4 Patriots were the last team to repeat. Um, because you either lose all that talent or you run a, you know, throw a skinny slant in the end zone. Either way. No, we, we're, we're still not angry about that up here. No, not at all. Your, your thoughts on the absolutely seriously teams. Are we worried about Burrow? And I bring that up not, not from an on the field thing, the appendectomy. Because he had the, the PICC thing, and he, he was very evasive about whether he had a rupture. You know, I, I, I'm, I'm hearing some rumblings that this might be a little bit more serious than, than we initially thought. Like, generally speaking, in today's medicine, like, John Wolford had an appendectomy on, like, August 2nd, and he was back at practice, like, two weeks later. It seems like there might be a little bit more here, which which kind of has my spidey sense tingling. Um, Are you providing your luck? Not that, not to that extent, 
Um, just that this might have been a, a ruptured appendix, which carries a greater risk of infection, which might delay his return. If we start seeing rumblings about him not being ready for week one, I, I think it, it's just put a pin in it for right now. Because obviously when he's healthy, like I'm not worried about Joe Burrow. Like one of the game's 10 best quarterbacks, put him in any order you want. Um, well, Andrew, Luck, worried- I mean, Andrew Luck, I mean, Ryan Grigson just, Completely messed up that roster and yeah. luck got tired of getting the crap beaten out of him. Yeah, know. I'm not worried about that kind of situation yet. Um, but if he's getting nine sacks again, I don't think that happens. Um, yeah, we could watch that. Similarly, are we worried about Stafford's elbow? Like that one's concerning too. Well, you are a big baseball fan. You have been a quarterback. You talked to me about what is it, pitcher's elbow? When I hear pitcher's elbow, I think Tommy John. Like, like that's the thing that concerns me. And particularly when McVay has been saying this is unusual for a quarterback. Like, you start thinking, yeah, when you get thrower's elbow and pitcher's elbow, Spidey Sense gets tingling about Tommy John. They're managing his throw. And it's something that dated back to last year. I, Again, you know, if this lingers, then, yeah, that could be a problem. Mm, yeah. Uh, and the final tier, the final category, who's going to stop them? Buffalo Bills. You kind of wonder about Tredavious White. Will he be healthy? Is there any sort of drop-off in his performance? I think if he had been on the field in that Chiefs game, that goes a different way. Um, yeah. They have Kyer Elam, the, the kid from Florida, the first-round pick. Levi Wallace is with the Steelers now. Levi Wallace is one of those players where you're so entranced by the upside, you you tend to forget about the fact that the variance is huge. I don't know how much you want those guys on your team. But to me, who's going to stop them? And, yeah, offensive line issues. You want more of a power running game that doesn't involve Josh Allen being Cam Newton. But I don't see a lot of holes here. I wonder if this is finally the year where the Bills get their first – this is unbelievable. Their first league title since 1965. It feels like, Doug, the only question is Brian Dable's departure. Like, yeah. talking to people around the Bills, you know, going on shows in Buffalo, it feels like that's the thing. Even doing non-Buffalo shows, people are like, oh, is Dable's departure going to be a problem for them? Is there, It's almost like a hopeful question if you're in a Boston or a Miami or another media oh, market. Sure. Like, and it's not like there's a ton of new faces because Ken Dorsey slid in as the offensive coordinator. In case Keenum came out and said his play call shit is magical, the relationship between him and Josh Allen is, you know, it's a symbiotic relationship. It's, you know, they know each other's thoughts already because Dorsey's been in the room. It's not a fresh new voice. And Joe Brady, two years ago, he was the next on offensive-minded head coach. Like, that's he was going to be an offensive coordinator slash head coach before you knew it. Now he's their quarterback coach. So they've got another forward thinking guy. Then, you know, the, the dovetail off of that it's is how do they well, re- by the way, that Matt will fire him. Yeah. And, you know, I, I let that, that actually put a little of. positive check in Brady's resume. Right. Yeah. 60 touchdowns. Joe Burrow threw at LSU weren't enough. Right. The other thing that sort of dovetail off that is when they get too high, when they get drop a, how do they respond? You know, is it, can it be more than just Josh Allen as a runner? Cause he was their second lead in rusher last year. Do we see more James Cook? Do we see more Devin Singletary? If they well, start seeing about Singletary and Cook, sorry to interrupt. The thing about, they're outside, you know, elusive guys. 
what they need is Zach Moss on third and three to give him five yards. And yeah. it happen. Yeah. And, and so, but again, this is very nitpicky stuff. There's we're, not a lot of holes. We are, here. we are splitting major hairs here. Yeah. I mean, this, it, it pains this me to say this. Roster wise, this is the best team in football. I don't think you would disagree with Yeah. That. And it pains me to say it, but yeah, it's absolutely. Well, those are our uh, nine tiers of not so great to great. Uh, I estimate the Bills will beat the Green Bay Packers in the Super Bowl. I made that prediction last year, and, of course, it blew up my face. So, of course, I'm going to do it again. There you go. Yeah. I mean, I'm not ready for a Super Bowl pick yet, but from the AFC, it's it's the Bills. I just – I don't know about the NFC yet. Like, I just don't know. They're going to be – I think they're going to be some weird teams popping up there. A couple of, like, what? Like there, there's a small part of me that wants to say like Philly makes a run. They could. Hey, yeah. if Hurts turns it on, we just talked. That, and if they, yep. you know, fix that defense, um, they got everything else. Yeah, they got AJ Brown. We'll see. One game, but uh, yeah, we'll see. So anyway, that's the first pot in the books, uh, halved as it was by technical difficulties. Uh, we'll try and get that fixed by uh, next time. Doug's going to the Infinity Store this morning. And uh, Mark, as always, great stuff, and we'll talk to you later. Sounds good, everybody. Just going to run this dog to see if we can find any type of uh, human remains that are left. Listen to Where Secrets Go to Die, The Disappearance of Derek Hennigan. From the Detroit Free Press, a new podcast set in the woods of Michigan's Upper Peninsula. Available on Apple, Spotify, Freep.com, or wherever you get your podcasts.